0: Welcome to Sully Says, musings on sales and life. I'm your host, Rick Sully, and I've spent the past 25 years in the greatest profession in the world, sales. And the number one goal on my podcast is to teach you everything I've learned. I give you the tips, tools, and techniques necessary to excel in sales, network marketing, and most importantly, in life. So listen, learn, and enjoy the the journey. Hey everybody, Rick Sully. It is so great to be back on the Sully Says Podcast. This episode, I'm going to talk to you about the concept of being sales tough. Now, as much as I would like to take credit for that concept, I have to defer to the originators, Sam Parker and Jim Gould who are the founders of JustSell.com and the authors of many popular books, including 212 Degrees and Smile and Move. I highly recommend their website and their books. Very easy to read, very relatable, and incredibly informative. So why am I doing a podcast about somebody else's idea? Well, I'm not exactly. What I'm doing instead is putting my spin on their concept. I've spent the past 20 years of my career in pharmaceuticals and lab services. So what I'd like to do is give you my take on being sales tough in this particular space. And I've sold a lot of different things in my career. I've sold frozen food, I've sold dating services, cell phones, advertising, and ultimately in the medical space. So I've seen it all. And I know that our particular space in the medical, pharmaceutical, and lab is extremely different than what you do on a day-to-day basis in a lot of sales. So I'm going to give you my take on the eight fundamentals of being sales tough in the medical sales field. First fundamental, nothing should interrupt the money hours. the phone, there's no telling where it's going to take you. And imagine how much time it eats up during a given day on your phone. And think about how much more productive you would be if you stayed off your phone for an entire day. I realize that's probably not realistic, but what if you set up specific times during the day that you would use and check your phone? Maybe it's 30 minutes in the morning, maybe 30 minutes over lunch, and then 30 minutes toward the end of the day in the afternoon. You use this time to return texts, emails, phone calls, update your status, check any new friend requests, whatever you kids are doing nowadays. But then you immediately get back to the grind. You can go as far as setting your timer on your phone for 30 minutes and using that time accordingly. And I promise you, if you minimize your time with these distractions, you will maximize the time that you'll be selling and making money. Number two, start early and go long. There are countless books, articles, and studies about the benefit of getting up and out the door early every single morning. As a matter of fact, for those readers out there, anybody listens to the books on tape, check out The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. Outstanding book, some really great uh, tips on how you can frame your morning to make sure it's productive and there's minimal distractions. Because here's the reality. The longer you stay in your office, and most of us in the medical field work out of our homes, the more likely you are to get distracted. You can get hooked by the kids, the wife asks you to hang a picture, Uh, you're reading your sales reports, returning emails. Next thing you know, it's 10 o'clock. And now your morning's a total loss because you're scrambling to order lunch for a doctor's office, Uh, you know, getting ready, stopping you getting gas. By the time you get to the office, it's lunchtime and your whole morning is gone. And I'll give you another uh, avenue to think about is the percentage of salespeople who are up and out the door early in the morning is so small. So you're going to have unfettered access to offices and physicians if you're up there and out the door early. And the same is true in the afternoon. The longer you're out there working, the less competitors you're going to run into. And this is especially true toward the end of the week on Fridays. I I know so many people in the medical field who on Friday afternoons, that's their time to leave early to go to the beach. Or uh, maybe... Uh, Go to the cabin in the woods, or play golf, or just wind down from the week and do paperwork. Imagine what you can do if you're the only one out in the field on a Friday afternoon. All right, so maximize the early part of the day, the late part of the day, and the times of the week that no one else is out there. Number three, make calls first, paperwork last. Listen, we all have paperwork. All right, we all have sales directors and managers who love paperwork, and they love to micromanage. And this is a terrible combination. So we have to set aside time every day, maybe one afternoon a week for paperwork. Now, I realize the definition of paperwork is going to differ from company to company and space to space. For example, with my organization, at the sales level, most of our paperwork can and should be done as it happens. You make a sales call, you immediately enter it into your CRM, Salesforce, Apollo, whatever it might be. Submit requests for company resources immediately as they're requested. And even enter your expenses as they happen. So you're not waiting till the end of the month to put all your expenses in. If you get in the habit of doing this stuff in the moment, it doesn't pile up and become a distraction or a nuisance or a stressor. And it's part of doing business. We're all paid very uh, good salaries uh, in the medical space. So this is part of our job responsibilities. But it shouldn't attract from the time that we are talking to our customers. Now, I understand that some companies may have reports and such that are required every single week. That's unavoidable. But then you have to set aside time to tackle this work. Otherwise, it will eat into your day every day. Perhaps this is what you do when you get up early. You're up at six o'clock, you go down to your office, you say, all right, half an hour, I'm getting my paperwork done. Get a shower get out the door. So you've checked off two of the first three already. All right, number four. Excite the prospect or the gatekeeper with a strong opener. We've all heard you have seven seconds to make a strong first impression. So it's incumbent upon you to have a strong opening statement, which is going to create immediate interest for further discussion. Your absolute positive number one objective during a prospecting call or cold call is to engage the prospect. Now this doesn't mean, hi, I'm Rick from XYZ. We sell widgets. Can I please talk to the office manager or doctor about how our widgets can help your patients? Come on, that's lame. And you know it's not going to open any doors. So my approach is to grab their attention after a brief introduction. Hey, I'm Rick. My company works with physician practices in the area to help manage high-risk cardiovascular patients. I need to speak to your office manager or the doctor so they can immediately start utilizing this cutting-edge, life-saving product. Is it dramatic? Yes. Is it powerful? Yes. But I promise you, that second option is going to open considerably more doors and get you past more gatekeepers than you ever thought possible. So what's the key to a strong opener? It's practice, practice, practice. You need to have a flawless delivery without ever sounding rehearsed. It may be the 500th time you've said it, but it's gonna be the first time that individual has heard it. So you've gotta nail it. Now it's a delicate balance, but you can only achieve this balance by recording yourself. Listening to yourself, making adjustments, tweaking it, then doing it again and again. And yes, you heard me, I said recording yourself. We all have iPhones, we all have a recording function on our iPhones. So listen to your opener or your full presentation for that matter. Listen to how it sounds. What are you saying that's good? What are you saying that's bad? What needs fixed? What needs amplified? Whatever it is, you take the time to practice, and I promise you will see your access to the decision makers increase exponentially. Number five, know everyone and network more. This is one of the areas in my mind that separates good from great in our profession. Now it's easy to know the name of the gatekeeper. She controls the purse strings. She gets you back to see everybody. We all know the key nurses in the office, the billing person, the office manager. But how about the ancillary staff? How about the nurse that you pass 50 times uh, over the course of a, a series of visits? but you barely acknowledge them other than a nod. Have you ever stopped and talked, introduced yourself to them, find out a little bit about them? They may not be able to help you, but what you're doing is you're establishing rapport with other key personnel in the office, and you're helping building a moat around the practice. Because you don't know that day, who knows? Maybe that person's at the front desk covering, and someone from another uh, company, a competitor comes in. If they don't know you, or if you were rude to them, or didn't acknowledge them, they may say, you know what, why don't you go ahead and back and see the doctor today? And that doctor says, you know what, I like what you have to say. Let's do this. But had you taken the time to network and build those relationships, that would have never happened. But how about going a step further? Do you network outside of the office? All right. Do you network with other reps? Maybe not competitors, obviously, but other sales reps that can help you. Maybe they have a product that um, complements what you're promoting. So you get together with them, have a cup of coffee. They can give you access uh, to some physicians. Maybe you join them for an appointment or a lunch, vice versa. All right? That's how you build a strong business because we can't rely on the leads that our companies give us. We can't rely on Google or uh, websites to give us the information we need. What we also need to do is leverage the relationships that are already attacked by our colleagues and other companies and utilize those to help build the foundation of our business. All right. Number six, you must close comfortably and confidently. Now, when you think about closing, at least when I think about closing, I immediately think about Alec Baldwin in Glen Gary Glen Ross. When he talks about the ABCs of closing, A always BBC closing. And guess what? He's right. The best of the best in our business are closing the customer throughout the entire presentation. They are earning the right to move forward each in every step of the sales process. They're getting a series of small yeses along the way, so it's easier for them to get the big yes at the end. All right, you have got to earn that right. All right, I'm gonna say that a lot. Earn that right to ask for the business. Now, if you've provided value and you've filled a need, then closing should be the natural conclusion of your presentation. Now, how you close depends on your product and your service. whatever you do don't sound like you're closing all right it cannot be canned or rehearsed it must be natural avoid so doctor can i count on you to write xyz product for your next five patients that have high blood pressure you know how many times they've heard that in various incarnations over the course of their uh, careers how about something along the lines of this Uh, doctor We've talked a lot about how you were struggling to find a second-line blood pressure medication when your patients are controlled. It seems like the data we discussed today gives you cause for optimism that maybe XYZ might be a viable solution. So here's what I'm thinking. Uh, You know, I can talk to Mary, the office manager, we can set up a mini-trial on your next ten patients to see if XYZ has the impact you anticipate. Does that work for you? It's dialogue it's a conversation, it's a logical progression, and you've earned that right through the discussion to ask for that opportunity. Number seven, solve problems, don't share them. And keep this in mind for your personal problems as well. But let's face it, we all, we all have challenges in our jobs, and our lives, and your tendency is to pick up the phone and complain to our colleagues about customers, a new company policy, our manager, commissions, pretty much anything and everything. And it might feel better, but it's all you've really done is dumped your garbage on somebody else and made them feel worse and created a problem for them that may not have existed. Because the fact is we spend a lot of time alone in our business. Uh, We're behind the wheel of the car. We have a lot of windshield time. We've we've listened to the Howard Stern Show once already. We've tired of political radio. Uh, We don't feel like listening to music. So our tendency is to pick up the phone And call a colleague and start unloading. Don't. Rather than uh, complaining about your problems, why don't you use that time to find solutions to your problems? Figure out ways to work through them so they're no longer an issue. If you have a problem with your manager, what is your issue? Can it be fixed? What approach should you take? Uh, What don't you like about the new company policy? Uh, Is it something that bothers you truly, or is it just because it's new and different than you're used to? Is the problem with commissions because you didn't work hard enough to earn a bigger commission? Or do they change the rate? What can you do about that? You know, I've said in previous uh, presentations or podcasts, excuse me, where I talked about the only things you can control over life are your preparation, your effort, and your attitude. And that is 100% true. And the more I do this business, the more I know that to be the fact. All right, so don't allow yourself to become inundated with the day to day minutiae and problems that present themselves. And please, whatever you do, don't dump them on anyone else. And especially, and I beg of you, don't carry your personal or professional issues into an office. No matter how strong your relationship was with the customer, you have to remember that that barrier, that wall, still has to exist. All right, because once that's broken down, then your personal life starts to seep into that part of your business, then you start to lose credibility. And I also challenge you to be careful. I mean, I'm a very big proponent of developing relationships with uh, office staff via social media. But remember, what you put on there, they're going to see, and chances are they're going to share with other folks in the office, potentially up to and including the doctor and office manager. So if there's not something you want them to see, then don't post it or don't friend them. Because then you're going to create a whole other set of problems. And we've reached number eight in the fundamentals of being sales tough in medical sales. Evaluate your personal sales value. How are you viewed by external and internal customers? Are you important to your organization? Are you replaceable? I know the old saying, everyone is replaceable. But think about it. Would your territory continue to thrive in your absence? Would your company lose business? Would your competitors capitalize on your departure? Are you a resource to your offices? Do you provide value to your customers in terms of educational articles, uh, WebExes, speaker programs, support from your medical team? Are you considered an expert on your product, service, or industry? Do your colleagues call upon you for help or guidance? Does your manager ask you to speak on conference calls, lead conference calls, or maybe present at sales meetings? Are you asked to be part of focus groups or perhaps new product launches by the marketing team? If you answered yes to multiple questions, then guess what? You have sales value. And now it's incumbent upon you to leverage that sales value for what you want to accomplish next in your career. Maybe it's a lateral move into another position in the company. Maybe you want to move into the corporate office. Maybe you want to be promoted into a management role. Maybe you want to raise. Whatever that is, you have to document how you're providing sales value. So when it comes time to your review or for your promotion, you can say, look at these things that I've accomplished. I provide sales value to the organization and to my customers. And that, my friends, is critical we discussed some pretty basic, albeit critical, steps to becoming sales tough in medical sales. You can do just the basics in the business and still manage to have a long and potentially lucrative career in medical sales. If that's what you're aspiring to, then I have news for you. All the books, podcasts, and advice in the world aren't going to make you sales tough. But if you have a drive to accomplish more, to be better, to potentially be the best then you need to follow the steps outlined in this episode of the Sully Says Podcast. But don't stop here. Continue to educate and grow as a sales professional. There are countless resources out there for our profession. Websites, podcasts, books, etc. You need to constantly be moving forward every day. Otherwise, you are standing still. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Sully Says Podcast and good luck on your journey to becoming sales tough in medical sales. Thanks so much for listening to the Sully Says Podcast. If we made a connection today, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me via my website, ricksully.com or via email at rick at ricksully.com. I'm available for sales training, personal development coaching, and motivational speaking, with a focus on how being a childhood bullying victim taught me to find my character, passion, purpose. I hope to hear from you soon and please make it a great day.